I tell everybody about what's happening at Metro Baptist Church, I tell them how impressed I am with the, the diligence and the determination of the Metro Baptist Church family uh, coming to church at 8 o'clock in the morning. I, and I'm, I'm just very, very impressed with your faithfulness. I know it's not the easiest thing on a Sunday morning, but you've done so well. And I've heard so many positive comments about, Pastor, I like, I got so much day to do other things. And, and, um, but it's been, a, it's, been a, it's been a great encouragement to my heart. I think of Hebrews 11 and verse 6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. I'm not preaching from here today. This is just a sermonette. Um, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And I just, I just believe that our God is going to reward the Anchor Baptist Church and the Metro Baptist Church for diligently seeking him um, throughout all the obstacles of the last three or four years. Um, and I believe our God's going to reward us. And tonight, um, tonight we're, going to, we're going to pause and remember um, what the Lord Jesus did for us um, um, by, by partaking of the Lord's table. And I also want to worship the Lord tonight for what He's going to do. Because I know He's going to do something. And, and I think it's time that we start praising Him for what He's going to do. He has been so good to us. And um, Pastor Turner and I um, and, and others are working hard to, to start looking for other building situations. And we just believe God's going to do something in His time, and it's going, to be, it's going to be a wonderful thing that He does. And He has been so faithful to us. I want you to turn your Bibles back to Genesis 44. <coughs> We're returning to the same event that we looked at last week. Joseph has his steward plant the silver cup in Benjamin's sack. He instructs the, the steward to accuse them with these words. Wherefore have ye rewarded evil for good. The brothers proclaim their innocence. We didn't take the cup. In fact, we even brought back the money that we found in our sacks the time before. We would never do such a thing. And we know that they were innocent in the matter of the silver cup, but they weren't innocent in the fact that they rewarded evil for good uh, most of their life, they rewarded evil for good, especially when it came to their brother and their father. Remember, they, they violently threw Joseph in a pit. They kidnapped him. They sold him as a slave. They were merciless when, when Joseph cried for help. And then they returned home and they lied to their dad. And their, their father suffered for, for years. I, I've, I've heard it said that when a parent loses a child, it is something 
that they never get over. It's not the normal thing. You know, the normal thing is for parents to die and then children to die later. But for a parent to lose a child, what a heartbreak. And, and, for, and from Jacob's perspective, he lost his child. And the, uh, the other ten brothers, they just made up a big lie. And they, they lived with this relational um, um, sin for over 20 years. So this morning, I want to look at some, some truths that we can learn on how to keep and restore relationships. You see, the sin of a stranger, it can be scary, and it can cause suffering. But the sin of a stranger doesn't hurt the heart nearly as much as the sin of someone you are close to. This last week, um, Pastor Tyler and, and Miss Andrea went to, um, went to Metrotown to buy a box of Purdy's chocolates. Um, they're going to be at the Canadian Conference this week representing the John 3.16 story ministry. And we're giving away Canada's best chocolates. And the way, the, the way people can... Um, win that box of chocolates is they have to listen to a video and then answer a question about that video and then return that card to the table and then they're going to be drawing for that Canada's best chocolates. You say, what are Canada's best chocolates? A sweet Georgia brown. Have you tried a sweet, if you have tried a sweet Georgia brown, raise your hand. Okay. Every one of you needs to be waiting at Metro Town at 10 o'clock this morning. Walk up the center spiral staircase and go, go to Purdy's. You can buy a two-pack of sweet Georgia Browns, and then you'll have experienced Canada's best chocolate. I, I, this is really disappointing. How many people have had a sweet Georgia Brown? Raise your hand. Metro Baptist Church, you haven't lived. You haven't lived. Oh, so anyways, what does that have to do with the message? Something. So when, um, when Pastor Tyler and Miss Andrea got to the mall, there were two parking spots available, and a man pulled into the one parking spot like this, and then Pastor Tyler, he pulled like this and started backing into that parking spot, and... The guy next to him didn't like how Pastor Tyler was parking. And so when he was getting out of his car, he took his car door and he banged it twice against Tyler's car. And then, you know, Pastor Tyler and Miss Andrea, they decide, okay, let's just look at our phones and ignore him. I hope he goes away. Then he came to the door, the, 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 the window of the car, started banging on the window with his finger and yelling at him. Finally, he, he left and went away, and they walked into the mall, and the guy was kind of hiding behind a, you know, the kiosk where you have the map of Metro Town and staring them down, and um, it was a pretty scary situation, and he was a big guy. Now, Pastor Tyler, he's pretty tall, but he's pretty slim, um, but this guy was a big guy, and that's pretty scary, isn't it? Has anybody ever um, been threatened by a stranger? 
Maybe because you're a bad driver. That's happened to me. Yeah? I cut somebody off once in New West. Innocently. Boy, but when he came by me, he saluted me with some fingers that I've never seen before. And he was yelling. And I didn't want to read his lips. And I just, I just drove like this. But you know what? It didn't cause me one moment of sleeplessness that night. It was just some stranger that was a jerk, and I didn't like it when it was happening, but it really didn't hit my heart. This question that the brothers ask, wherefore have ye rewarded evil for good? When we reward evil to someone who has been good to us, the pain goes so much deeper. You see, when we reward evil for good, it scars their heart and damages the closeness of your relationship. Have you ever considered the toll that your sin takes on those you love? Because when you sin against someone that's been good to you, it's a lot of pain to their heart. It's a lot of pain to their heart. Husbands and wives, let's be careful not to reward evil to our, to our precious spouse. You know, this is confession time. I want honesty from the congregation, okay? When a telemarketer calls and you answer, are you, has there ever been a time when you were not kind to the telemarketer? Raise your hand, confess, confess, yeah. Now, I'm sure some of you are always kind to every telemarketer. Um, and I don't believe as Christians we should ever be unkind. You know, we need to be kind even to the telemarketer. But when we're unkind, when we use that tone that we use with a telemarketer, when we use that tone with our spouse or our parents or our children, there is a relational pain that will go much, much deeper. Yeah. You're driving down the road and you do something stupid in your car and someone drives by and says, you're an idiot! It probably is true. At that moment, you were an idiot, right? But when someone that loves us says, you're an idiot. It may take a long, 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 long time to get over that pain. Unfaithfulness. You know, you can have a job and miss a couple days a month or three or four days a month at your job. You may keep your job. Um, but if there's two or three days a month you don't show up when you're supposed to after work, that's really going to hurt someone that loves you deeply. 
irresponsibility. As husbands and wives, we suffer as the result of the sin of irresponsibility. When I'm irresponsible as a spouse, Lisa suffers. If she's irresponsible, I suffer. The public at large doesn't suffer. You know, if, if you, um, you know, if you've got a credit card in your pocket and every time, every time you're out, you, you spend more money that you don't have and you're not responsible to control your finances, doesn't bother the bank, doesn't bother the store, it doesn't, it doesn't bother the friends at, at church, but it may deeply hurt the people you're closest to. Friends, be careful not to reward evil to your friends. You can never go wrong being kind. You can, ne you can never go wrong being kind. You say, but I just got to give that person a piece of my mind. Well, do it with kindness. Do it with kindness. You can never go wrong being kind. But you can sure damage something, deeply wound a relationship, just by being unkind. You know, the sins that hurt us the most are the sins of those closest to us. They may not be on a scale of 1 to 100, little sin to big sin. They may not be the biggest sin, but they are the most painful sins that we encounter. And the fact is, the most painful sins happen in our families. They happen in our marriages. They happen between um, brothers and sisters. They happen between parents and children. Sin is especially wicked when we sin against someone who has been good to us. Joseph had been a good brother. And yet they sinned terribly against him. We must consider the devastation our sin brings to the heart of the people who have been good to us. Saul, remember King Saul? He rewarded evil for David's good. David was a loyal subject of King Saul. And yet King Saul became jealous of David and he wanted to take a javelin, a spear, and put it through the heart of David. For what? All David had ever done for Saul was goodness. That is why our sin is so painful to God. Because God is so good to us. That is why a human's refusal of God's grace is even more painful. Not only is God good to all people in His general grace, but He is also very specifically good to people in that He offers forgiveness as a free gift through Jesus Christ. It breaks the heart of God. I had dinner last week at a Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms fundraising meal. And I sat with people. I sat with one person. 
when, it, when, when the person found out I was from church, they said, oh, I don't want anything to do with church. He was, he was kind. He wasn't, he wasn't rude to me. But I wonder how that kind of comment hurts the heart of God. When that person has been breathing God's air, God's been making his heart to beat, God has allowed him to enjoy the pleasures of this life, he has died on the cross to pay the sins of the world, and yet that person doesn't want to give him, doesn't want to give God a second thought. How that breaks the heart of God. So let's consider this morning the relational cost of our sin. How our sin hurts those that we love the most. Number two, the brothers were confronted about their sin. Now, they hadn't stolen the silver cup, but this was Joseph's method to get to their heart because they had rewarded evil for good. Now, I want you to look at Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Now, Joseph had all the power of Egypt. You know, in many ways, he had control of this situation. But typically, in a relationship, one of the hardest things to do in a relationship, one of the hardest things for a wife to do is confront her husband about his sin. Because often husbands don't respond in a very kind way. Often it's hard for a husband to confront a wife about her sin. Often it's difficult for a friend in church to confront a friend in church about their sin. Most people live their life taking sin and sweeping it under carpets and hoping it goes away. But you're not going to keep or restore relationships if you don't deal with sin, if you don't deal with offenses. Luke 17 and verse 3, Take heed to yourselves, <coughs> if thy brother... I'm going to preach into this. If thy husband, if thy wife, if thy friend at church, if your pastor, if your boss, if the guy you work with every day trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Courage from the Lord is needed to rebuke a loved one when their sin has hurt us. 
Now, I do believe that this, that this truth needs to be balanced with another New Testament truth. There's another New Testament truth that says, um, let your love cover a multitude of sins. And I think this is where you've got to walk with the Lord and talk, talk to the Lord. Okay, we're all humans. If you live in a house with other human beings, you're going to be sinned against. Sometimes you need to have a conversation with that person. Sometimes you just need to let love cover it. How, how are you going to know the difference? Or how are you going to know when to talk and when not to talk? And some of you, you're going to use that as, as, a, as, as an escape clause. I don't have to confront them. I'm just going to let love cover it. Because you're a coward. And you don't want to have a difficult conversation. Okay? It's got to be balanced. And I believe only the Lord can help you with that balance. You know, I don't want a confession on this one, okay? But this morning at 7, you know, some of you left, you left home at 6.45 to be here to help set church up at 7.15. You know, some of you got up, I got up at 5.30, okay? Some of us are just kind of grumpy in the morning. Now, I think with God's enabling help, we can learn to be kind in the morning. I don't think, I don't think any of us have an excuse, I'm just grumpy in the morning, and I'm going to be that way the rest of my life. No, Jesus can help you not be grumpy in the morning. But that being said... You know, if nine out of ten mornings your spouse is kind to you when they wake up and one morning they're a little grumpy, you know, you don't have to call the court together to resolve this little bit of grumpiness. Just say, Lord, I'm not always the kindest in the morning. I'm going to forget about this. Okay? I, th I think... I think we've got to balance this confrontation with a willingness just to get over things. But that being said, if your heart is wounded and you can't get over that wound, you've got to have a conversation. And that takes courage. That takes courage. But God can give you the courage. Number three, when the brothers were confronted about the silver cup, they immediately professed their innocence and they proclaimed their own goodness. Now there's, there's 11 of them, right? Only, there's only one silver cup. So it was, a, you know, it was logical for them. That, I didn't take the cup. Why would I take the cup? I'd never take the cup. But remember, this was Joseph's tool to get them to look at their heart. But I think there's a great principle here. When you are confronted with your sin, 
How do you respond? When you are confronted with your sin, now this will really, really help your marriage. In God's lists of sins in Proverbs, this, the seven sins that God hates, does anybody remember what, what's top on the list? A proud look. So, in our humanity, we are all very, very proud. And we don't like, we don't like to admit when we fail. We don't like to admit when we fail. But if you can ask God for grace and help, that when those that love you confront you to have a humble spirit, that will go a long way in keeping your relationships close. You know, if every time, husband, your wife comes to you with a hurt or with an offense and your response is, I'm not guilty. I would never do a thing like that. Maybe you become a lawyer and say, I want witnesses and I've got lots of evidence to prove that your accusation is wrong. When, you're, when, when someone you love comes to you confronting you about an offense, about a sin, do you quickly listen? Or do you proudly put up your back? Now the only way you're going to be good at this is asking Jesus for His help. Because sin, pride is... Pride is all of our worst enemy. You know, sometimes in a relationship, you do something, and maybe you did it, maybe you didn't have, maybe it wasn't a first degree offense. You say, what's a first degree offense? That means you plan it. You, you know, you, know, you lie and you did it on purpose. You told them off and you've been planning it for a week. Okay, that's a first degree offense. Often in relationships where we hurt people is with our reactions. Most people don't get up in the morning and say, every time I'm asked a question today, I'm going to react in a proud way. Usually it's just a reflex. Most of us don't get up in the morning and go, when someone asks me a question today, I'm going to bite their head off. But sometimes we find ourselves reacting that way. And like we, like we covered at the beginning, it doesn't, really, it doesn't really hurt people that you're not close to. Now, it's not a good testimony for Jesus, but those type of, those type of sins, they hurt deeply when it's people that we love deeply and people that love us deeply. Will you ask the Lord, Lord, help me to listen humbly when I'm confronted about my sin.
Could you ask the Lord that today? Lord, help me to be humble. And you know, sometimes, sometimes with no intention, we can hurt people. If you hurt somebody, even if you didn't intend to do it, even if you really can't see where they're coming from, I think we need to care enough about their heart to acknowledge that what we did hurt them. I don't think it's time to say, you're just too sensitive. You should get over that. You're, impo you know, you're impossible. You know? those, those type of responses won't bring you close. They will push you farther and farther away. We've seen in this in this event where Joseph's brothers are coming to Egypt. They came the first time, they came the second time. We see in Joseph a posture of forgiveness. Even though he was deeply hurt and abused, and even though the brothers have not repented yet, he desperately wanted their relationship restored. You know, it wasn't just Joseph's desire, okay, these good-for-nothing brothers are back. Um, I'll feed them because they're my brothers. I'll give them a place to live because they're my brothers. But I don't really want anything to do with them. I'd, I'd really like a relationship with my dad and Benjamin because they never hurt me. But that wasn't Joseph's heart. Joseph wanted a relationship with these good-for-nothing brothers. If we are going to keep and restore relationships, we have to live in a posture of forgiveness. This last week in, in, in parenting class, Growing Kids God's Way parenting class, the, the subject was repentance, forgiveness, and restoration. So it goes right hand in hand with this portion of Scripture. So I have some quotes from the, from the, from the, from the workbook. Repentance begins with the offender. You can't repent for someone else. You can't acknowledge someone else's sin. That starts with the offender. But forgiveness begins with the person offended. Joseph wanted to forgive his brothers. He didn't want to give them justice. He wanted to forgive them. And we see this example in the Lord Jesus Christ. When he hung on the cross, you know what he cried out? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that is the heart cry of God to all of humanity. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now we know that man cannot be restored to God unless they're willing to admit that they're sinners and that they've sinned against a holy God and that they need God's forgiveness. But the posture of God towards humanity is, I want to forgive them. And if we are going to keep and restore relationships, we've got to live with that heart. 
let's never throw up our hands and say, you know what, I'd be better with them out of my life. If God's brought somebody into your life and they're, they're a friend, they're, they're close to you, let's not quickly do this and say, I don't want anything to do with them anymore. That's not a Christian heart. A Christian heart, and you know what, go to Ephesians chapter 4. This is really hard to believe. But your attitude can hurt the heart of God. An attitude of unforgiveness will grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Look at Ephesians 4 and verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You know, Brother Luke, you shared that in your salvation testimony. And that, ver that I never looked at that verse as a proof text for people doubting their salvation. But I think it's a beautiful text because in that, in that verse, you see that Although you are sealed by the Holy Spirit and you are secure and you're on your way to heaven, it's still possible for you to sin and it is still possible for you to grieve the heart of God. You've got to have that truth solidly in your mind. Otherwise, every time, every time you catch yourself not behaving like a Christian ought to behave, the devil might tempt you to think, you must not be saved. A saved person would never struggle with unforgiveness. This verse says, you can be a saved person and be bitter. Look at verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath. You can be full of wrath. You can be full of anger. You can be full of clamor. You can be full of evil speaking. So what does God tell us as Christians? Let it be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another. You see, all of these relational conversations that you might have to have, they should always be built on the foundation of kindness. You've got to confront someone you love about their offense, about their sin. You need to approach them with kindness. Now, I'm going to give you a piece of mind. You're a, you're, you're a real piece of work. You're a jerk. This is what you did to me, and it was wrong. That's not the Christian way to confront someone about their sin. We need to confront them with kindness, with tenderheartedness with a posture of forgiveness, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Until, there's rest, until there is repentance and forgiveness, there will never be restoration of that relationship. And like we learned in Growing Kids God's Way the other night, um, that a relationship will continue in an ongoing state of war until there's repentance and forgiveness. 
But there's a reality in life. Not everybody will admit they're wrong. And what do you do when someone has done something wrong to you? You've talked to them and they don't care and they don't, they don't want to make it right. Do you at that point have, have, the, have the right to be bitter and angry and hateful and full of wrath? No. At that point, you need to ask God for His grace to have a forgiving spirit. You know, you don't start, you know, if it's your neighbor, you don't start, I probably told this story before, but it's a good story. I lived in Kelowna on Phipps Crescent. And I lived in a duplex. There was a lady in that duplex. She was a mean lady. And there was a guy across the street. He was like 6'4", 250 pounds. You know, he could bench press probably 300 pounds. Just a big guy. He drove a big truck. And um, my neighbor lady, she didn't like his big dog pooping on her property. Well, you know what she did? She took that poop and um, she put it in the handle of his door so that when he opened his door, his fingers went in that poop. Isn't that off? You know, and um, so he proceeded to get a shovel and just pile it on her front porch. You see, that's not the way to respond. Now, are they going to be good neighbors? Are they going to be close friends if they don't have some repentance and forgiveness? Never. What if the other person won't repent? Well, you've got to ask God. God, help me to have a forgiving spirit. And God can give you that grace. Now, <clears throat> in detail, last week, we looked at the fact that now, Judah was the spokesman, but I believe he represented all of the brothers. He convinced Joseph that he was genuinely repentant. Remember, they rent their clothes, they tore their clothes, they fell on the ground before Joseph. They sought Joseph's terms of reconciliation. And remember, this is God's world. So if we're going to have a relationship with God, we've got to come to God on His terms. And these brothers had to come to Joseph on his terms. He was like the king. They confessed their guilt and accepted responsibility. Judah expressed genuine concern for his dad. And Judah even offered himself as Benjamin's substitute. Joseph, his heart was convinced that his brothers were real in their repentance. Here's a question. Is your repentance, when it comes to relationships, is your repentance genuine? If you get a hard heart in a relationship, your repentance will just be words. Your repentance will be vain and empty if it is technically correct, but emotionally empty. Now, People show their emotions differently. The offer of forgiveness is objective. When you offer forgiveness to somebody, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's objective. 
If they, if they repent and accept it, their relationships should be restored. Emotions are subjective. Some people cry when they're sorry. Some people don't cry when they're sorry. But we, we, need, to ask, we need to ask the Lord to help us see what our sin does to the heart of another person. And it needs to concern us, not just that you sinned and got caught, but how your sin hurt the other person. That should be at the foundation of your repentance. That should be at the foundation. Repentance is vain when it is focused on regaining what you've lost. We all like closeness in relationships. And sometimes our motive in saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me, is we want that closeness back. And so, it's more of a, it's more of a, it's more motivated by a selfish desire than it is honestly looking at our own hearts and ourselves and how we've hurt somebody. Repentance is vain when it is a tool to escape the discomfort of talking about our sin and the pain it has caused. You know, sometimes it's easiest when your husband just say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, let's go on. Because we really don't want to face up how we've hurt our spouse, how we've sinned against them. We just want this discomfort to disappear. So we sometimes quickly repent just so that we can go on and put this behind us. Repentance needs to spring from an offender's contrite heart. The Bible says in Psalms 51 that, the, that a contrite heart is pleasing to God. The object of repentance is not the sin itself, but the effect sin has on the relationship. Let's take our eyes off the technicality of our sin and let's focus our eyes on how our sin has disturbed and hurt a relationship. To say sorry is to, or sorry, is to acknowledge an unintentional mistake. You know, I, earlier this year I backed into my neighbor's car. I immediately got out, went to his back door, knocked on the door, and said, I am sorry, I just backed into your car. I didn't, I didn't go to my neighbor and say, Jay, would you forgive me for backing into your car? There was no evil intention. Now, I still had to pay to fix his car. I, I hate spending money on stupid stuff. Is anybody else with me on that? I hate speeding tickets, parking tickets, um, you know, fender benders, I hate those things. But sorry is, is to acknowledge an unintentional mistake, but to ask forgiveness is to acknowledge a sinful motive in the heart. Now, if, 
If I had a bitterness against my neighbor Jay and said, you know what? Tomorrow morning when I get up, I'm going to take the back end of my pickup. It's much bigger than his little white car. And I'm just going to back into his car as hard as I can. And then I'm going to go off and he can come out later and see how damaged his car is. Now, I'd still need to fix his car, but relationally, I would need to say, Jay, I was bitter towards you, and I was mean and unkind, and I backed into your car. It was wrong. Would you forgive me? You see the difference? You see the difference? Let's be sure that our repentance is genuine. And that's another area where you've got to ask God, God, I need your help. It's so much easier to be shallow in this area. I need your help to be genuine. And then, and we'll focus more on this tonight with the Lord's table, is Joseph's forgiveness was complete and genu generous. Complete and generous. Look at Genesis 45. He reveals himself in verse 3, I am Joseph. His brothers were very troubled. And then he invites them to himself, and they come near to him. And he says in verse 4, And he said, I am Joseph your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Oh, his forgiveness was complete and it was generous. This, when there's repentance and when there's forgiveness, this restores a relationship and it buries it forever. It buries it forever. But without this, if Joseph had said, if Joseph had folded his arms and said, I don't believe you. I don't believe that you're changed men. I don't believe that you care a bit. It wouldn't have been restored. And guess what? As long as you walk shoulder to shoulder with other human beings, you're going to have to be good at repentance and you're going to have to be good at forgiveness. So how to keep and restore relationships? Be mindful of the relational cost of your sin. Have courage to maintain close relationships by confronting the offender about their sin. Respond with humility when you are confronted with your sin. Live in a posture of forgiveness. Genuinely repent and give complete and genuine forgiveness. Beautiful truths that will help all of us stay close to one another and repair things when we're not what we should be. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, It's a wonderful thing to come to Metro Baptist Church. There's a sweet spirit 
amongst your people. There's kindness. There's forgiveness. There's genuine concern. But Lord, in our homes, when no one else is around, oh Lord, help us to be careful, to be kind to our spouses, to our children, to our friends, to our siblings, to the people we work with day in and day out. Oh Lord Jesus, we need your gospel. We need your, your willingness to forgive. Your willingness to speak the truth. Oh Lord, take these truths and Lord, help us to think about them and apply them to our, our heart and to our relationships. In Jesus' name.